Kevin's at Irvine today. Caleb, my second favorite teacher in the wide world, <laughs> is here today. So enjoy. We haven't even started yet. I'm, I, Julie already got me like a little misty, you know? Thanks a lot, Julie. So, uh, yeah, Kevin Kenton Bishore got a sore throat, and so he called in the reinforcements. Kevin goes to Irvine. I am here with you enjoying your beautiful children. You guys make pretty kids. That was fun to see. Those are some good-looking good looking little ones that you have uh, created. I also just wanted to say on a personal level, thank you to you guys for, uh, for welcoming my wife and I, Hillary and I. If, if you were here last week, you got to meet Hillary. And, uh, and then yesterday or last Sunday, I got to meet a bunch of you uh, that I hadn't met previously, and it was really great. So I, I appreciate your warmth and your friendliness and welcoming us, uh, letting us be a part of, of uh, your family uh, you know, for this season. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. And, and I want to thank those of you who are here on a regular basis at 6.30 in the morning, setting this thing up. <laughs> taking all this down, doing the technology, doing the slides in the band. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big effort. And being a part of this team, I see that. And so I just wanted to personally say thank you. Uh, for all your work behind the scenes. It's great. It's great. And I think, because I've been a part of some stuff like this before, I think there will be a day when there's some kind of, you know, space that is HBs. And you will look back on these days, and you'll say, oh, man, wasn't that, wasn't that kind of fun? And then your spouse will probably say, no, that sucked. <laughs> and then you'll say, yeah, but there was something about that. It was just so raw and organic and you know, we were just like the remnant, kind of finding our way and finding our place. And I just, so you'll look back on these days fondly. I was at Starbucks in Dana Point yesterday. And I walk in, and there's this guy here, and I don't recognize him. I get my little latte. I sit down. I'm getting some work done. And then I look up, and I see, yes, in fact, that is Karch Karai, the most famous, greatest volleyball player in the history of the sport. And I, I think, man, he's really average looking, you know. He's, he's, uh, he's my size, and he, he's been in the sun a lot. And, uh, and I just walked by him, and I could have done it twice. He's, he's just a regular looking dude. You wouldn't think that Karaj Karai was this incredible, you know, sport-changing, sport-defining athlete. Which then reminded me of... A couple of few years ago, when my wife and I were in Scottsdale, and early on in our relationship, I don't know what it was, but Hillary tells me we're talking about something, and Hillary says to me, I don't get starstruck. She says, I, you know, it's just not a big deal. They're just like regular people. Like, what's the big deal about someone who's popular or famous? And I said, yeah, that's great. That's cool. I'm, I like that attitude. So we're in Scottsdale at a restaurant called Le Grand Orange, if you've ever been. And I'm not there. She's there with my mother, and I get this call. She goes, Caleb, oh, my gosh. Steve Nash is at the table next to me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool, say hi. I'm not going to say hi. Hill, you're not starstruck. I, 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 I totally am. I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is. I said, you told me you don't get starstruck. Just reach your hand back there and shake his hand. She goes, well, I, I guess I'd never really met a star before. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, Okay. 
So yeah, it was my mom that ends up saying, hey, hi, Steve. This, you know, we just wanted to say hi. We really appreciate your basketball game. And uh, would you take a picture? So they took a picture, and, and, and that was fun and everything. But again, Steve Nash, a guy just my size, a very ordinary dude. Karch Karai, Steve Nash, incredible at what they do, very ordinary looking. And I thought of those two guys as I looked at Karch yesterday, and as I thought about this Palm Sunday, we're leading up to Easter, and this Palm Sunday celebrates when Jesus marches into Jerusalem to this kind of parade, this spectacle of people saying, you're the Messiah, this is great, Hosanna, the King has come. And I know that there were people there going, really? This guy? The Bible talks about he is very ordinary, that he was not a handsome dude, that he was a very average height, very average build, not this presence of this king like they had known with Saul and, you know, generations past and things. Just a regular dude. And to make matters worse, it's a regular dude on a donkey. He chose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem to all this fanfare. And so... You, you can understand, I mean, imagine if you're there and you're seeing this and people are like, Hosanna, Hosanna, really, this guy? Hosanna, Hosanna, like, this is the Messiah, this is the deal, this is what we've been waiting for. I mean, I've heard about the miracles, maybe some people have even seen some of them, but this, this is kind of confusing. This doesn't, this doesn't really compute, this doesn't make much sense. This is, this is the kingdom, and maybe, maybe if you're one of the disciples, you remember as he's kind of marching in in this kind of kingly parade fashion, that he said when he first started his ministry, the kingdom of God has come, right? The kingdom of God is near. Mark 1.15, I think, is in your notes. The kingdom of God is near. Behold, I am here. He said it in several different ways. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. In essence, there's this proximity change where the kingdom of God has always been, and now suddenly it's here among you as I walk among you. And then you would have to say, really? This is, this is the kingdom? This is how, this is the grand entry? What about, what about the hoopla? And then for us, we, we, we kind of evaluate, okay, so if the kingdom of God came, if Jesus was this God, this Messiah, and if Jesus marches straight to what everyone thought was the celebrated overthrow of Rome and turns out is his unexpected victory via death, right, and that's what we celebrate at Easter, that he comes and he dies. And in his dying, actually, is the ironic victory, and because of his death, we now have freedom and power over death. And he's taken the authority back. And so we look at that and we go, really? Okay, so the kingdom has come, and yet I still see all this death and destruction and darkness around me here, right? We still see this chaos. We're still in a crazy culture. There's still all this brokenness and hopelessness. Really? The kingdom has come? It doesn't, it doesn't really compute unless... Then we think, yes, okay, so the kingdom has come, and Jesus said the kingdom is at hand, and it's here. And he, he had that victory. He, he did what he did on the cross. And the kingdom is still coming. Remember how he taught us to pray? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is still coming. 
Okay, so the kingdom has been realized. He had victory on the cross, and yet it hasn't fully come into its fruition. It hasn't fully reached its supremacy in this world yet. I think of, this is a crude example, but I think of Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, right? So he creates this company, bow, splash on the scene, it's an amazing deal, and then what happens? He gets ousted, right? They kick him out of his own company that he started. And then Apple subsequently goes through this time of darkness. They, they become, you know, almost obsolete. They're just kind of that, that company that was cool for a while. And they, they have this downward spiral. And then later, Steve Jobs starts another company. Apple ends up buying this company. Steve Jobs is back in the family, and he is reinserted as CEO, right? And you know there were some longtime Apple people that were in there, and they were like, okay, daddy's home. You know, our guy is back. The founder's here. That's, this is going to happen. Something happened when Steve Jobs was brought back into the fold and became the leader again. Something happened at that place. The culture was beginning to change, right? But it took years, even decades, for them to get to this place where, I mean, where they are today, the most valuable company in the world, right? It didn't happen overnight. The founder, the man came back, and then it took a while to play out. So Jesus has this He has this victory over sin and darkness, and the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is still coming. The kingdom is still playing out. So what I want to do just real quickly is talk about these two two parallel but not equal kingdoms, okay? So all the time throughout Scripture, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan and the enemy, is referred to as the kingdom of darkness. So you see probably on the screen and in your notes, we've got these two parallel kingdoms. We've got the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of the light represented by Christ, right? So what do we know about darkness? We know that uh, bad guys come out, right, at, at night and in the dark. We know that people sneak around in darkness. We know that you get tired in the dark and you feel uh, weaker when you're tired, right? It's easy to feel alone in the dark. My mom always said that nothing good happens in the dark after 10 p.m. especially. You know what I'm talking about? You can't see in the dark, so you can, like, step on stuff and, and hurt yourself. Uh, step on, you know, cat throw up like I did last week. My wife's cat. I don't, I don't claim the cat. Uh, sorry, Hill. I'm sorry. Uh, but so darkness is the opposite of light. And when light comes, it scatters the darkness, right? That's why we have these visual pictures. So, so the darkness is, is this thing, and then the light comes, and, and when light comes, darkness, darkness runs. It runs. And so when we talk about these two kingdoms, we often refer to them in this way. And here's what salvation is, okay? Here's what Jesus came and did. It's in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. It says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So, recent sports trivia. Uh, Maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of the universe was just, what, traded from his team where he played for like 13 or 14 years. Peyton Manning goes from the Colts to the Broncos. Now, if you're a huge Peyton Manning fan like Hillary is and has a Colts sweatshirt, I don't get it, but she is. You, you, this is a big deal. It's like, wow, can he ever be the same? This is what, What's going to happen? This is a crazy thing. But imagine, if you will, if you're Peyton Manning. You 
you are negotiating this deal, and then all of a sudden, what happens when you get the contract and you sign your name? Immediately, instantaneously, it doesn't matter the last 14 years, he is a Denver Bronco in that moment. It happens. It's done. The trade is finalized. It's just a matter now of picking up his stuff, going over to Denver, finding his new locker. And what happens, the implications are the minute Peyton Manning becomes a Denver Bronco, he starts running new plays from a new playbook with a new coach throwing to new teammates, right? So imagine the ridiculousness if Peyton Manning goes back to Indianapolis at some point this season to play his old team, the Colts. And imagine if just out of habit and because he was absent-minded, he wanders back into his old locker room and looks for his locker, right? Or imagine if he just feels like, oh, my old uniform was just so comfy. I'm just going to throw that sucker back on for, for old time's sake. Or imagine, even worse yet, if he's playing and he finds his old teammates and he throws them the football, right? Silliness. Silliness. It wouldn't happen. It doesn't happen. Why? Because he's been traded. The transfer has been made. His identity is completely changed. He is no longer an Indianapolis Colt. That was the old time. Now he is a Denver Bronco. It's done. It's finished. It's who he is. Are you with me? It's who he is now. He is a Colt. He is not a Bronco. Now it's just a matter of time. I mean, he is a Bronco. <laughs> he is not a Colt. He is the supreme horse, the Bronco, not the little Colt. He, he has a new identity, right? It is, it is finished. Now it's just a matter of relearning or unlearning the old way and learning this new way, this new way to play, these new teammates, this new way of doing things. Friends, you and I, salvation is about being transferred. Our identity has changed. That thing has been done. The minute you say, yes, I'm in, God takes you. He gives you a new uniform. He gives you a new playbook. He is the new coach, and he transfers you immediately from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves, into that kingdom of light. If that has happened for you, it is done. It's done. It's who you are. And don't we still have this weird thing in us, this kind of, this kind of tendency to want to go back? There's, there's, there's some kind of weird draw, isn't there? This, this weird draw to darkness. I find myself, for, for some ridiculous reason, dabbling in darkness sometimes. Right? My identity has changed. I've been transferred into the light. And yet, I think there's like these old patterns, these old ways of thinking that pull me back, and I, I, still, I still dabble over here some, you know? I, when I was 14 years old, I had some punk kid introduce me to uh, how you can manipulate the cable box, turn it on a certain channel, and the TV to a different channel, and you got to see, like, wavy line, naked stuff, right? <laughs> It was like, it didn't come in real clear, but it was just like enough for a 14-year-old just to go, go crazy. And, and that stuff got, it, got its hooks in me, and for years I struggled looking at pornography and getting my, and I knew Jesus. I knew that in my soul that I had been transferred. I had this relationship with God, and yet because that had its way and that had its hooks, it became a struggle, and 
I have had so much more victory kind of unlearning those patterns. But I will tell you that still, when I get into some lonely or depressed places, my mind knows how to go there. It's like a well-worn groove. And, and there's that pull back to just dabbling in that darkness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have anything like that that's just, I know that my identity has changed. That salvation is done. I have been transferred. And there's still this, this darkness. There's still this propensity to sin. Sometimes we get restless. Sometimes we forget our identity. Sometimes we, we allow ourselves to struggle in that old silly stuff. It just is dumb. It doesn't make sense. We've, we're on this new team. We have this thing. God. But salvation has come for you and for me. And salvation is still coming. He is still working his will out in our lives. The reality is that daddy's home. (laughs) He is doing what he's doing in this world, and it is coming. There is a bigger story at play. We are in the continuing time when he is working out his restoration in this world. Look at Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, what? Continue to live in him. There's this continuing life, right? That salvation has happened. But just as it happened, we talked about the childlike faith earlier, right? With that childlike faith, we continue in this life to learn the new playbook, to walk with him. You can also think of it as these are the remaining days. These are the days of remaining. I could spend hours just talking about John 15, 5, but let's just, this is the high point. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Vine, branch. Vine, life source, branch. It has one job. The one job of the branch is to stay connected to its life source, right? It's just to stay connected. And then the vine takes care of the whole life-producing thing. So we're in this continuing life. We're in this remaining time where all, when our deal is just remembering our identity and staying connected to the life source who is our new way in this new kingdom. And here, here's the secret of it. I call it the two parts of the gospel, that we are saved and we're being saved. And, and, and this is the great mystery. We have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and are remaining in this kingdom of the sun. And Colossians 1.26, this is, this is crazy, okay? Let's read this together. Can you read this with me? Ready? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So throughout generations and throughout the history of the world, there has been this great mystery that now we look and we see that he has done it. That, that not only was salvation about him coming and transferring us, but when he died and was resurrected and went back into heaven, he left his very own spirit. 
And I imagine the angels in heaven like, you did what? You did, you left those, you left those people, those human people, you left them your spirit. Holy, I mean, the, the, the reality of that, the intensity of that, that the great mystery of the universe is that you and I not only have been saved, but we're being saved by the presence of the very Spirit of God in us, in you, and in me. That is the hope. So when I am dabbling in darkness, it's because I am forgetting that my identity is fixed and that inside me is the very spirit of God. When you are struggling again with depression, when you are fighting that temptation, when you are trying to figure out your identity in this crazy world, you are forgetting that your identity is set. It is done. You have been transferred and that the very spirit of the God who raised Jesus from the dead is in you is in you, working out your ongoing salvation, becoming like him. That is the crazy mystery of this time that we live in. That is the hope of glory. That is your hope. That is my hope. And that's the secret weapon of how we live this life. So, the reality is that no longer do we have to be slaves and subjects to the kingdom of darkness. No longer do we have to continue to give in to those patterns. No longer do we have to continue to walk in those ways and be brought back and to be questioned in our minds, who, who am I really? Is this God real? Because at any moment, you can just breathe and know that it's his spirit that's at work in you that is propelling you and leading you in this life. I, I want us to just take a couple of minutes and just be real, be real honest about where those places are that you go back and dabble. I'm not going to make you stand up and announce it, <laughs> but you do have a space in your notes. If you want to write it down, you can. If not, just, just you're already thinking about it. Where, where are those places where you have a tendency to go back and dabble in the dark? Where, where is that? Where does that continue to happen for you? And what are you forgetting? Maybe you're here and you have never said, God, transfer me into your light. I'm sick and tired of this dark, oppressive world. I, I, I believe that I was actually even born in to this kingdom of darkness. And I want to be transferred into the kingdom of your son. I want, I want to be traded. Maybe you've never made that decision. You can make that decision today. Just say, God, I'm in. Put, put me, <laughs> transfer me. I need, I need a new playbook. I need a new way of living. I want that. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe for most of us, it's, it's just that acknowledgement that, God, thank you. This is my new identity. You have done this for me. And not only have you transferred me, not only have you set me free and transferred me into this kingdom of light, but you have given me your Holy Spirit to lead me, to prompt me in that moment of temptation. I'm always prompted. Even, you know, when I start to go, go 
back down that road. I'm always prompted. And he says, there is hope. You don't have to continue to dabble in the dark. That only goes one way, and that's toward destruction. So that last little line says, my hope is Christ in me. Christ in me. The secret of the universe, the power, the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and in me, bringing about his continuing salvation in our lives and in our world through 